Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Joshua, Joshua chapter one, let's look at verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people to get your provisions ready. For three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here and go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. Let's drop down to verse 16. Then Joshua answered, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Everybody say that with me. Say, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Say that with me. Say, we will go. And just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Say, we will obey. Isn't the Bible good? Just puts it right there for us. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I wanna talk to you about the four we wills of purpose. The four we wills. Now notice that there are four we wills, zero me wills. So until we go from me to we, we can't possess the promise that God has for us. And if we will, he will. Or another way to say it is that we will is his will. People always wonder, what's his will? Well, his will is we will. Not my will, but thine be done. And so his will is that we would possess a greater we will. So say it one more time. Say we will. We pray our Father, not my Father, our Father who art in heaven. The Bible says, let us magnify the Lord together. So one is too small of a number to do anything great. But if you can take one from over here and then one from over here, on their own, they just won. But if you can pull this one and pull this one, pull them together, right? Bring this one and this one together, that makes 11. You're a slow bunch today. You're trying to check my math. God's mathematics are different than our mathematics. So it first says, we will do whatever. Next, we will go wherever. Then we will obey whenever. And then finally, we will not, this is a negative, but it's a positive too. We will not unite with whoever. So taking territory has four clear we wills. First, we will do, verse 16 says, we will do whatever God commands us. We will do whatever God commands us. That's a strong statement. Mary, during Jesus' first miracle, said this, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And it triggered his entire ministry, which ultimately led to a cross and an empty grave and the salvation of the human race, but it began with that statement, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. 
So what happens when God asks you to do something that costs you? What happens when God asks you to do something that you don't think that you can give it? You don't think you can do it. You don't think you're able to. Well, I'll do this, but not that. That's how a lot of people act. Well, if I do that, then this happens. You know, maybe I'll lose friends or maybe I'll lose a church member or maybe this or that or whatever. But you gotta be clear that we will is against certain things. It's not an anything goes. To condemn to contend against the evil of our day is not a violation of unity. You cannot be a Bible-believing Christian and not be controversial. Not in our day. And that's what people will do, though. They'll say, if you stand against the evil of our day, that's not loving. That's not affirming. That's not accepting. That's not what Jesus would do. But if what you say about Jesus, opposes what this book says about Jesus, you're wrong and the book's right. I'm not being proud, I'm not being mean. The book is always right, not sometimes, not most of the time, it's right every time. Now we do not fight the Lord's battle with Satan's weapons. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we will do whatever he commands us. That's so good. His word is his will. So his word is where we get what we do. Whatever his word commands us, we will do. So we unify, not just around anything, we unify around the clear purpose and person who is Jesus of this book. It's quiet, church. I love the fact that the Bible points out that the clear strategy of hell has never changed. It's divide and conquer. And you wanna know how hell does it? With a very, very clear focus on unity. Hell is in no way ever not unified. It's like a swarm of locusts. Hell is so unified to come and attack and target the church and do whatever it can to rip the harvest away from our lives. The devil knows the greatest thing about the church, the greatest way we can glorify God is to be a unified church. When you think about Jesus and how he lived to glorify the Father, that was his target, that's how he lived his life, like a bullet that is shot out of a gun that crashes through everything it has to to reach its mark, so must our hearts be to have that target, no other target, but to glorify our Father who is in heaven. And if you are one with Christ, you will desire to be one with one another. And the way that we do that is it's God's glory first, it's God's glory last, it's God's glory in the middle, everywhere and for everything, all for God and God in all we do. We will do whatever he commands us. Number two, we will go wherever he sends us. We say, if you'll show me, God, I'll go. But God says, go and I'll show you. Go is two-thirds of God's name. So we're not superior. We'll go wherever. 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 We, we, we don't need it to be pretty. We don't need it to be nice, we don't need it to be comfortable, wherever. We'll go to that prison, sure. 
Absolutely, we'll do it. We'll go open a campus in Cincinnati. We'll go open a campus south. Look, we don't have to. We don't have to do that. Sure, we'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll buy a, a health clinic on wheels and go hang out where abortion vulnerable women are constantly gathered. We'll go. We'll do it. Whatever. Whatever. 130 plus different ministries. The point is, we'll go wherever. And you have a place in the body as well. You just have to be able to say, wherever. Wherever. Send me. I'll go. Wherever. Everyone wants to say what they're going to be in the body. Well, I'll be, you know, a beautiful eye. Or I'll be you know, the beautiful mouth that so eloquently speaks. I'll be the ear that can hear from God. You never really hear anybody say, I want to be the foot. But it's the heel of the body of Christ that crushes the devil's head. It's the heel that Genesis 3 prophesied would crush the serpent's head. So quit thinking that one area doesn't matter and another area does. The Bible is clear. Do not say that. The greatest weapon we many times have are the most undesirable places in the body. And we just have to say, we will go wherever. Wherever. Joshua chapter 5 talks about a generation of sons that was born in the wilderness that had not been circumcised. So they had left Egypt in the wilderness. There were many that were born and they had not been circumcised. So God said, before you go conquer Jericho, before you see that mighty angel with his sword drawn, before you march around the walls and shout and the walls come crumbling down, before any of that happens, I need you to go to Gilgal and there you're going to get cut and while you're getting cut, I want you to wait. Don't do anything until you're healed. And I think about Joshua chapter five, and I'm pretty sure I could have no volunteers here today that would say, I'll go to Gilgal, <laughs> including me. I don't want to go to Gilgal. Who wants to go? To, who wants to go be cut? But notice sons are born in the wilderness, not seminaries. Right? All you have to do is take Jesus and see where he spent the 40 days before he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the wilderness. Sons are born in the wilderness, in the wild, in life, just out doing our thing. Out doing, you, know, you, you, don't, you, you may be thinking, Marcus, there's no way I could be somebody to be used by God. You don't know the kind of places I've been, the kind of things I've done, the places I've visited. You don't get it yet. Sons are born in the wild. God grabs them, pulls them out of that. But before he can use you, notice there's a place that God cuts his sons and his daughters. And yes, God does cut us. If you don't think so, then just look at the cross for a second. Then the Bible says God heals his sons and daughters from their cuts and their wounds because it says that God wanted to roll away the reproach of Egypt. I hope you'll listen to this and catch it. God wanted to roll away the reproach of Egypt, the abuse of Egypt, the scorn and the disgrace of 400 years of being enslaved. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years, 
yet it was still not enough time to heal. So God has to take them to Gilgal and cut them to heal them of their prior abuse. So we think, before I met Jesus, I was cut. Life cut me, sin cut me. Anybody before you met Jesus have some cuts, some abuses, some scorn, some wounds, some areas that the devil hit you as hard as he could, hit your family as hard as he could. Is it just me? I'm just gonna talk about me then because y'all don't wanna talk about how before you met Jesus, you were cut. Then you surrender to Jesus. You say, okay, my life is yours. I give you my everything and I'm asking that you heal me of those cuts and then you get saved and you start serving him for a little while and you think, man, I just want his love and I just want his grace and I just want his mercy and I just want all the good things of God. You, you, you don't want to experience the kind of hurt, the kind of cut, the kind of wound, the kind of heartbreak that you experienced before you met him, after you meet him. We think that because we met him, it's gonna save us and rescue us from all that. But the Bible says that after they came out of Egypt, they had to go to Gilgal and they had to be cut because God had to go back and heal them of the abuse before they left Egypt. So after you become a Christian, you have to be willing to say, you can cut me. Go ahead, I'm fine, do what you need to do. Because the devil cuts you to kill you, but God cuts you to heal you. And on this side of the cross, you're gonna be cut. And you have to be willing to say, I'll go wherever. I'll face the cut, I'll face the blade, I'll face the knife, I'll face it. Just whatever you're doing, God, I'm asking that you heal me in the process. He's not cutting us to hurt us. He's cutting us to heal us and to make us whole. He is the great physician, by the way. That's why we take communion, to remember the cuts, to remember that he was cut, he was wounded, he was bruised, he was crucified, he died, and in receiving communion and thinking about his brokenness, we remember our brokenness. And we consider the areas that we've been cut. And then we consider if God put him back together and raised him up, that God can put us back together and God can raise up us up. We will go wherever. I don't get to say, I'll do this and not that. I'll go here and not there. We have to go to the areas. Many times we said, I'll never, I'll never do, I'll never go. But we will go wherever. Next, we will obey whenever. Obedience is a desire to please God in all things. Hebrews eleven eight by faith, Abraham obeyed. So you cannot obey what you don't believe. If you don't believe, you can't obey. If you disbelieve, you disobey. So obedience is formed in the womb of faith. Obedience comes from this attitude of God has the right to expect much of me. He 
created me, he sustained me, he redeemed me by the precious blood of his son Jesus. And the longer I serve God, the more I have learned to trust him and have faith in him. And the more I have learned, whatever you say, whatever you ask of me, I'll do it, I'll go, I'll pay the price because you have the right to expect much of me. At your word, I will obey whenever. So he's never wrong. His requests are never too extreme. It's never unfair or unjust. And it's always reasonable, no matter how great what he's asking us to do is. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when called, he went. So God asked, and he did not hesitate. It was immediate. So delayed obedience is disobedience. So obedience is about promptness. It's not just a yes, but it's a yes whenever. I will, we will obey whenever. Now, right now, this second, yeah. Okay, sure, absolutely. Didn't make the plans, didn't make the preparations, but sure, I'll make adjustments. Whatever you ask us to do, we will obey whenever. So obedience is not a relationship that's born in convenience. We think that if we disobey, that it ends at that moment. Well, I disobeyed and then it's over and it's behind you. That's not how disobedience works. Disobedience follows you, sometimes for years, sometimes for a lifetime. Remember what God tells Abraham. He says, I want you to go and he went. But what God told him is where I'm taking you, is a, there's a, it's far away. It's so far out there, it's so far away, there's no way you could see it, there's no way you could imagine it, there's no way you could understand it. And oh yeah, by the way, you're gonna have to leave your family and this is gonna be a real lonely walk, it's gonna be a real lonely journey and it's gonna, it's gonna hurt and as you're walking, you're gonna have all kind of people behind you saying it's not worth it, why are you doing that? You don't have to go to that extreme but then you're gonna hear a voice over here where God's saying no, keep on moving, keep on walking, it is going to be worth it, there is a reward, there is a promise, there is an inheritance. Oh yeah, you got some crosses along the way, but no crosses, no crown. Ephesians 4, 3, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. So we don't unify for unity's sake, we unify for obedience sake. We don't just get together to get together, we get together so we can say, okay God, what do you want us to do? And we will obey whenever. Obedience to you, obedience to your spirit. We will endeavor to obey your spirit. I've watched people get together in church who say they love Jesus about everything. They get together around offense. They get together around pride. They get together around this little fringe doctrine here and there. They get together around everything, but the kind of unity that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17, five times, by the way, he prayed that we, his people, would be one as him and the Father were one. And this is the only prayer Jesus ever prayed that's never been answered because we think there's another way to do it. We think there's a more creative way to do it, but it's unity of heart, it's unity of purpose, and it's unity of thought with him. We will obey whenever. Number four, we will not unite with whoever. Verse 18 says, whoever rebels and doesn't obey you will be put to death. The New Testament way of saying that is sometimes you have to have a funeral in your mind. Sometimes you have to develop the gift of goodbye. There's a right we and there's a wrong we. That's clear. 
That's what this is talking about. Hey, there's a right we, there's a wrong we. Romans 12 says, no, no man after the flesh. That you have to discern the spirit of a person. That it's the discerning of spirits. That people bring more than a person or a body or, or a face or, or something physical into your presence when they show up. They bring a spirit. And people have all kinds of spirits. Angry spirits, proud spirits, all kinds of things, divisive spirits, and they try to bring that into your life. And you have to have something about you that says, we will not unite with just whoever. It's not a whoever for me. My destiny is too important. My destiny is too big. And I do have a standard with who I run with. It doesn't mean that I'm outcast this person, I excommunicate that person, you grow above that and you simply have people in your world that you just don't give them weight because we will not unite with just whoever. I'm looking for a particular type of we will. We will go wherever, we will do whatever and we will obey whenever. I'm looking for who I'm gonna yoke my life up to. You should be looking who are you gonna yoke and link your life up to because again, one is too small of a number to do anything great. So if we wanna do great things, we have to be willing to come together around the right things. Hebrews chapter three, verse 16 says, disobedience leaves you in a holding pattern. I paraphrased, of course, but think about it like this, that the Israelites come out of Egypt, what should have been a four-day journey took them 40 years. In that 40 years, did God provide for them? Yeah, their basic needs and necessities were met. Was his presence there the whole time? Yeah, cloud by day, fire by night. Did God try to help them? Oh, yeah. Wrote on a tablet of stone with his own finger, gave it to Moses to give to them. Yeah, God tried to help them. But they still died in the wilderness, why? Disobedience. So disobedience never causes God to exit your life, it causes you to miss God's exits. And you drive around and around and around, it's like 275, just keep going around the loop, around the loop, around. just keep going around and around and around. And this is why so many Christians are unhappy and they're, they're even bitter at times because they don't know that that's what happens when you unite with the wrong we. Just a lot of movement, but you don't get anywhere. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, 1 Corinthians six seventeen. So it starts here, I must be joined with him. This is not a cross around my neck. This is not I attend a church. This is not... I say I'm a Christian because you might sit at the Lord's table, be surrounded by the great apostles and be a son of perdition. So is Christ being formed in you? Are you rooted in him? Is he where you draw your peace from, your healing from, your hope from, your wisdom from, your direction from? Is he being formed in you or is the world being formed in you? You draw on all the things of this world for your source, but you say you're a Christian. At some point, you've got to grow out of that. At some point, you've got to understand that I can't just unite with a spirit of disobedience. If I do, then all that God's brought me out of, all that God's delivered me from, all that he 
gave his son to die on a horrible cross for isn't just so I can get out of Egypt. There's something greater for me to move into, but I can't move into it with a spirit of disobedience. So we will not unite with whoever. Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, explains the wrong we, and then it goes into the famous verse that the word of God is sharp and powerful. In verse 12, but the wrong we neglects the priority and the preeminence of scripture. So we disconnect from the wrong we very easily. It's because of our love for the scripture, our love for the Bible, our love for the word. Because I love the word, I don't even have to say anything. It just disconnects me. We will unite over our love for the Bible, our love for what he says, our love for his word. Hebrews 5 and verse 12 through 14 says, the wrong we, I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, remain spiritually immature because they think sitting and listening is the same thing as going and doing and obeying. It's like watching an exercise infomercial and getting exhausted. <laughs> I understand listening to me can be exhausting, but don't fall into the trap that I've sit and I've listened. Okay, God, there you go. I've done something for you. That is the wrong we. What happens all the time when people think that's the goal, that's the goal. Why am I unfulfilled? I went to church. Why do I think about going back to my old life? I went to church. You missed it. You're not supposed to just sit and listen. We will not unite with whoever. Anybody's telling you that you don't have to be active, that you don't have to find a place, find a spot, do something, that person you should be knowing is not trying to get you into the promised land, is not trying to get you into a place of destiny. That person may be showing up in your life and have the wrong spirit. I'm not saying they're evil or bad. I'm saying they've embraced a mindset that is not biblically accurate. I'm closing. So if we're one with Christ, self will be swallowed up. If I can glorify him best in my silence, then may I never speak again. If I can glorify him best through my death, then may this be my last breath. If I can glorify him by being unsuccessful, then bring the failure on. I'll be a fool, I'll be an idiot, it does not matter. As long as you are glorified through us, we will unite with the kind of people that want to glorify you together. That is true oneness with the spirit of Jesus. Self is nothing and let's let God be all in all we do. Let's stand up. I wanna open the altars down here. And I hope that you'll feel the freedom to move and to come and answer that John 17 prayer five times. That's what I see. I just see a church saying, yes, we will. We will. We will. Do you have to? No. No. But we will. Nothing's too much. Nothing's too great. 
We want to be a unified people. So last week we went to uh, Asbury, the revival I'm sure you've heard about. It's beautiful, simple, sweet, precious spirit. Our nation desperately needs a revival. This generation desperately needs a revival. We desperately need a revival. But it's just uniting around something real simple. God, let you be our pursuit. Let you be the thing that we're focused on. Let this all be about you in the end. Amen. We keep saying, hey, we will. We will. We will do whatever. We will go wherever. We will obey whenever. This is a whenever right here, right now. Whenever. We'll come to an altar to answer your prayer and say, let it be found in us that we want to be one. We don't want to be all separate all over the place. We want to come together. We want to unite in the spirit of Christ and we want to obey him. We want to serve him. We want to love him. We want to do this in a way that we know gives him glory. And so as we go into this time of worship, I'm gonna invite you, if you wanna answer that John 17 prayer by saying, God, we wanna answer that prayer as you and the Father as one, let us be one. Let nothing in me keep me away from uniting with the right we. Come on, let's worship. Feel free to move, feel free to move. If you didn't hear the word, you obey whenever. Prompt, prompt, prompt. God would unify us as a church. If my people will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. It takes a bit of humility, doesn't it? Come on, can we take about three more minutes? And from the front to the back, make a decision. We'll go. We will go. We will do. We will obey. Here we are, God. Send us. We're surrendered. Have your way. When we look around, let us know you're standing beside us in Jesus' name.
depend on that great faithfulness together. I want us to declare that over this church. I want us to declare that over our families, over our futures. We will do, come on, say it with me. We will do whatever. Oh, just get that in your heart. Whatever, man, whatever. It's fine. It's, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be significant in others' minds. Put just, just whatever. Now say this, we will go wherever. God's sending you, church. It's just the beginning. 160 will be 300. 300 will be 600. It's just gonna keep on going as long as we say wherever. The need's great. All he needs is people that will say, will say, we will go wherever. We will. We don't have to worry about it. We just have to say, we will. We will go wherever. Now say this, say, we will obey whenever. I just wanna pray this over your life, that a spirit of hesitation be bound in Jesus' name. That, that, that overthinking it all the time without a sensitivity to move when God says move, that that would be no longer the dominant thing that shows up in your life. But Father, in Jesus' name, let us have a desire to say we'll go, we'll do, and we'll obey whenever in Jesus' name. Let us be a church that doesn't have to sit around in 18,000 committee meetings. We've never been that anyway, but you know what I mean. We just wanna obey you. We do wanna please you. And all we do, we wanna please you. Praise God, praise God. Do you receive that? And we will unite, say that we will unite around the right we. Send us the right we, keep out the wrong we. Give us discernment, God, in Jesus' name. 2020 discernment, accurate discernment. Let us not be fooled. Praise God. I love Psalms 133, and I'm just gonna go ahead and pray it over your life. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. This is a pleasant moment. This is a pleasing moment. It's like the oil that ran down the beard of Aaron down onto his garment, and there, God commanded his blessing. Where? The place of unity. Lord, command your blessing over our lives. Oh, I love that phrase, not a suggestion. He commands us to be blessed when we unify. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I, am I supposed to want to be blessed? Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to want that. You're supposed to desire that, especially when he commands it. 
We need your blessing. We need your anointing on this place, on our homes, on our lives, on our minds, on our jobs, on our nation. In Jesus' name. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You're here today and you'd say, Marcus, I'm not right with Jesus Christ. You're here and you'd say, Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. He is not the supreme ruler. I didn't, I didn't ask if you call yourself something. I didn't ask what kind of church did you grow up in. I didn't ask, do you have an uncle that's a preacher? I asked, is he the supreme Lord and ruler over your life? Have you surrendered it all to him? Have you said the cross before me, the world behind me, no looking back? I wanna challenge you today to get right with him. You'd say, Marcus, I need to be at peace with God. I need a new beginning. I need a new start. I need forgiveness. And you'd like me to pray for you. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can and we're gonna pray together. One, two, three. Lift that hand up as high as you can. Many hands are going up. Many, many hands are going up. Matter of fact, so many, just keep your hands up, even up top, all over there. So beautiful just to know that the unity of the church reaches all the way back there. Come on, the anointing flows from the head. It flows all the way down. I believe that right now, the anointing's in the kids' ministry. It's going everywhere that the body is. It's all over the body, all 130 different areas. The anointing is finding its way to it. If you lifted your hand, we wanna find you, we really do. So keep your hand raised. A friend of mine's gonna slip you a book and you'll want this book. It's such a good resource. It's, it's nothing we want from you. We just wanna help you not stay in this moment, but to take this moment home with you. Tonight before you go to bed, hopefully you'll open that book and read it. Let it speak to you, let it bless you. In Jesus' name. Jesus. And let's all put our hands on our hearts. Say this together with those who've lifted their hands. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross, for shedding your blood for my sin. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my brokenness. And I ask you to save. I ask you to restore. I ask you to heal. Jesus, I surrender everything to you now. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. I call you friend. And I'll never walk alone. In Jesus' name. We all said amen. Amen. Let's get the Lord a more good hand clap together. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.